newly revamped Testudo Times podcast. My name is Matt Lichtenstadter, but I will refer to myself as Matthew Aaron because my last name is really long and hard to pronounce. And since my two co-hosts today have much easier names to pronounce, life will be easier for me. First, I will have a classmate of mine introduce himself. He's a very good writer for the Testudo Times, which we all know and love. Alex Kirster. Hello, Alex. Hey, Matt. How are you? I am doing well. We're going to be talking about Maryland sports, which obviously makes me happy. Well, at least basketball makes me happy. I don't know about football. And, of course, we have the grand poobah of Testudo Times, Pete Volk. Hello, Pete. How you doing, Matt? I am doing really well. Uh, let's begin this conversation, by the way, if since this is a test run. If this was not a test run, I would be asking questions to all of you listening. You could have asked it. Ask some questions and we would have answered them. But since this is a test recording, oh, well, we don't have that for the moment, but in the future we will. So I will start because the spring game was on Saturday. Maryland football starting their 2015 preparations. I'll start with you, Alex, since you covered it. Just a couple of quick points of things that you noticed. And, maybe, and then we'll get into the whole quarterback debate thing. As a quarterback for Maryland is still an open question. So start with a couple of observations from the spring day that you noticed. Uh, well, first things first, it was sloppy. Um, not much about it. Had a, had a lot of polish, which is probably to be expected when you're playing spring football, um, you know, five months before the, the season actually starts. Uh, the quarterbacks were uneven. Uh, in Perry Hill's case, uneven. In Shane Cockerell's case, um, just not very good. Uh, the punting game was unspeakable. Um <laughs> I got a text from Alex about the punting game during the spring game. That was fun. Is that the first time anybody has ever texted you about punting before? No, we're in the Big Ten now. I get plenty ah, of punting texts. Okay. Yeah, punting's punting's fun. I mean, I I have a, it was it was punting is like my favorite thing. Honestly, I love <laughs> watching punters. Uh, you and Rich Eisen both. Uh, yeah, but so the punting was, you know, Nathan Renfro is gone. He, he graduated um, last winter, and their punting was just unspeakable. Really, that's the only word I can derive for it because they I mean these guys were punting the ball like 25 yards on the roll um so that's going to be something that they're going to have to take care of um but you know the offense the offense did uh, a decent job the red team's offense which Perry Hills was leading um Marcus Leak had a day which was certainly encouraging for Maryland um but you know it, it was spring football and you can only glean so much from spring football Pete are there any things that you noticed that you wanted to talk about well, I, I wanted to say about the punting situation, there is some hope that that, that could improve because Maryland signed a scholarship punter in this past offseason, Nick Rabinowitz from Florida. And so he's not on campus yet. And I think he has the highest, ce- highest ceiling of the three punters Maryland has on roster. So obviously would have hoped that, that Lee Schrader might have been able to put something, a better performance that he did in the spring game. Um, but, you know, as Alex said, sloppy, uh, that's easy to tell. You know, that's something we predicted coming into it. I don't remember a spring game that I've seen at Maryland where the offense hasn't looked sloppy. So uh, that's there's a long way to go until the start of the season, and uh, they can use it both in terms of recovering to full health, especially a quarterback, and uh, getting the offense together. Speaking of the quarterbacks, let's talk about this. My favorite moment from last season, personally for me, was going to the Iowa game, sitting in the student section. This was, of course, the day when, CJ, uh, when uh, Caleb Rowe was announced that he had torn his ACL and was out for the year. And a few students in the student section didn't know that. Uh, when C.J. Brown was having one of his usual bad stretches, somebody chanted, We want Caleb Rowe! And I wanted to yell out at him, Yes, you want him on a torn ACL? Uh, all right. <laughs> I know C.J. Brown isn't very good, but guys, that's a bit much. 
speaking of that, we saw Perry Hills. 2012 is a bit of a ways away. Shane Cockrell is still relatively new to the program. I, we assume Caleb Rowe is going to be the starter going into the year. But did Perry Hills or Shane Cockrell offer anything else that Caleb Rowe does not offer yet? Alex, you could go first. Um, just a fully uh, functional anterior cruciate ligament. Um. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> uh, Pete, but when, as, we, as it goes forward, we assume Caleb Rowe is going to be the starter. Is there a reasonable chance that either Perry Hills or Shane Cockerell jump Caleb Rowe at any point during from now until August, I guess? I think the most likely competition for Caleb Rowe is someone that we don't know who it is yet. I think that Maryland would still like to add a transfer quarterback. There are a number of names who, as spring practice came to a close, saw that their future at their current school wasn't so great and are now on the transfer market. I don't know of any particular names connected to Maryland, so I'm not going to uh, speculate on that. But I do think that that's a position that they'd like to shore up on the on the transfer market. They have the scholarship space. They certainly have the playing time space. Um, but I think if it does stay as it is now, I can't see anyone challenging Caleb Rowe for the starting job. But the important thing to remember is obviously the spring practice is just one day. Uh, spring game was just one day of spring practice. And by all accounts, Shane Cockerell had a pretty good uh, session in spring practice. But uh, I still think he's he's a bit away from Rowe, especially with the comfortability within the offense and how the coaches feel with him. So if it's anybody, it'll be someone from outside the school. And since you don't have any names yet, I can't speculate on any of them, which is usually my job as a host is to speculate <laughs> on random baseless things. But let's talk more. Speaking of random baseless speculation, it's about a quarterback, but it's a quarterback that we won't see on campus until next year if all goes well, and that's Dwayne Haskins. Everybody knows about Dwayne Haskins now. He is the Pied Piper. He is the one who is going to save Maryland football, kind of like how Diamond Stone is going to save Maryland basketball. So I'll start with you, Pete. In the Dwayne Haskins race, so to speak, where does Maryland stand at this moment? Maryland stands in good position right now, I would say. Uh, they're, they're the favorite for most in the industry, but it's still a bit away. Uh, Haskins today said that he wants to decide before June. Um, I think that a late May or even early mid-June announcement is the most likely at this point. But he wants to go check out some of the Southern schools again. Um, and I think that that's going to be an interesting stretch to see how he talks about those schools, how much he talks about Maryland schools, uh, sorry, uh, the University of Maryland while he's out down there. Um, LSU and Alabama are both schools to watch. Notre Dame is a school to watch. Um, and some Big Ten opponents, too. You know, uh, Penn State would still like him. I don't think they're quite as much of a picture. And Rutgers, he's originally from New Jersey, so they could pose a, a fight at the end. Uh, Oklahoma recently got a four-star commit at quarterback, but they're not letting up. Haskins has really kept it open, so it's hard to really uh, pare it down to a few notable schools. But Maryland's definitely in the picture, and if you talk to recruits in the area, they all think he's going to Maryland. Alex, if he does go to Maryland, talk about how big of a name in recruiting, that would be. We've seen good recruits, Stefan Diggs, Damian Prince, the like, come to Maryland. But if Dwayne Haskins come to Maryland, does that fundamentally change the program? Yeah, I think it does because to compete in the Big Ten, particularly in the Big Ten's East Division, uh, it's pretty impossible to do it without a really good quarterback, um, especially in, at this stage. I mean, even last year, um, even the lower echelon teams in Maryland's half of the Big Ten uh, had pretty effective quarterback play, or at least would have if not for you know travesties of offensive lines or, or <laughs> shortcomings at the skill positions and things like that. 
I hope um, you don't mean Gary Nova when you're talking about this. I do. This. I, I mean, I do. I mean, Gary Nova was, is better than a lot of college quarterbacks, and he was probably next to uh, whoever Maryland was playing on any given day was probably the um, second worst in this division in the Big Ten. And, you know, on the other side of the conference, there have been some exceptions. I mean, Wisconsin was obviously hugely successful for the regular season last year without any kind of a blue chipper at quarterback. Um, but, you know, going forward, um, Penn State's not going to have Christian Hackenberg forever. Um, or probably even for two more years, you know, for another year after this year. Um, you know, Michigan State won't have Connor Cook, and Ohio State won't have any of that holy trinity forever. But, you know, Urban Meyer and James Franklin, um, obviously, obviously Jim Harbaugh, uh, aren't going to go very long stretches without having elite quarterbacks. Um, so if Maryland wants to cut it in that division, uh, it's pretty hard to imagine that happening without Haskins or somebody uh, of a comparable ilk. So when now we get to the early expectations for Maryland football for next year, and it is way too early to say anything concrete about this team, but I've already started to have the signs in my head that says, oh, next last year was probably as good as it's going to get for a little bit. This is more of a rebuilding year considering all of the losses we've seen, especially on the defensive side of the football. Even though Maryland's schedule is broadly the same as it was to last year, Pete, where do you see, I mean, it's April, so what we say in April is probably bogus compared to what we're going to say in August, but where do you see this team falling as of now in the Big Ten? Well, the thing with Maryland's defense is that they lost a, a lot of starters from that unit, especially in the front seven. But the secret was, even as seniors, they weren't very good. And so the fact that Maryland's completely changing their defensive scheme to a 4-3 means there's a chance that defense could be better, which would mean a whole lot for a team that actually has an offensive line for the first time under Randy Etzel. All that being said, there's been this creeping 4-8, 4-8 whisper in the back of my head for like two weeks now that I can't really ignore. I think in my heart there's a definite path to another bowl game. Uh, for Maryland and Randy Etzel. They have a better offensive line, a quarterback who can better distribute the ball around the field. And even though they lose a lot of weapons from the past few seasons, this is the first team that is organically Randy Etzel's. He's not dealing with upperclassmen who were recruited by the previous administration, and I think that does go some way. But it's a really tough schedule. You have two teams that you beat last year in Penn State and Michigan who should both be markedly better this season. And you have Iowa, a team that Maryland beat at home, that's now on the road. Um, you have a trip to Columbus that <laughs> I have no idea how bad Start that's your get. drinking now, kids. Start yeah. drinking now. That's going to be an awful, awful game. So it's hard. I think that this is a team that could be as good as last year, if not better, but it might not show up in the wins call. Alex, I've always been saying for at least a little bit that ha- will Maryland be hitting that arbitrary glass ceiling at some point? This is a point where they cannot go any higher. And that's really my, been my worry. I thought that last year they hit the glass ceiling, and they could have been eight and four, except for that. I think there, I think there's still a, a higher ceiling, for my, for my view. I think that once you bring in the kids that we talked about with Haskins, that that rises a bit. But it might be with this this current group of, of prospects that he had that might have been the ceiling. All right. So Alex, where do you think it's April? But where do you think record-wise this team is falling as we speak right now? Um, I think six wins is probably roughly the maximum. Um, I think the likeliest outcome is five, could be four. Um, you know, the, I mean, they'll open the season almost definitely three and zero. They have, you know, they scheduled some pretty easy games, which is probably prudent against uh, Richmond, Bowling Green, and, and South Florida. Um, those are all home games, and, and those shouldn't be a problem. Uh, but from there, I mean, as Pete mentioned, it gets pretty tough because a lot of the places where they had success last year. 
uh, and even one game, West Virginia, where they didn't, um, become much harder this year, either by virtue of being played on the road instead of at home, um, or by virtue of Jim Harbaugh now coaching that team, or you know C.J. Beathard now being the quarterback instead of the pretty inept uh, Jake Rudock that Maryland saw against Iowa. And just another year for Penn State to fill out their roster. Too. And another year for James Franklin to have built a roster that is three to four times more talented than Maryland's pretty much everywhere except the offensive line. Um, so I think, I think if Maryland wins uh, six games and makes a bowl, that would be a great season given what the schedule looks like. But yeah, I think, um, I think it's going to be a tough year on the field and I think it's going to come down. You know, I, I think recruiting uh, is going to be where Maryland fans are going to have to look for success this year. Because I think even if Maryland can prevent Michigan uh, and or Iowa from turning into a loss, uh, they are very likely, I think, to lose to Penn State in Baltimore. I think they're very likely to lose at home to Wisconsin. They're likely to lose against Michigan State. Um, you know, they should have win a win against Indiana at home, uh, and you never know what happens in Piscataway. Um, but you know, not not a lot of slam dunk wins, and I, I think really just one game in conference play. Um, really, one game after the first three, which is the home game against Indiana, um, right around Thanksgiving next November where Maryland will be favored. They will be the underdog, and I think every other game they play, uh, starting with West Virginia in September. So it'll be a tough go. So before we move on, I want to say, here's what Maryland really needs to happen for things to actually go their way. You need West Virginia to have just a bad Dana Holgerson season, which we've seen before. Uh, You need Bowling Green not to have made a big leap that was possible for them to have made. You need Iowa to have a bad Kirk Ferentz year. You need Penn State to still look like a John Donovan offense. And you need Michigan to have a rebuilding year. And those are five really tough things. But if they happen, Maryland can have a good year. And Um, you need to go ahead and drop nothing against Rutgers or Indiana. Rutgers again. And even with all of those things happening, could lose a game anyway, anything could go wrong. Then you're in a position where you need to beat a Wisconsin or a Michigan State. Obviously, Ohio State State can beat Maryland by seven touchdowns. Uh, And that might, honestly, I mean, that that could very well happen. And that might Um, be being kind. And this, yeah. is all, and this is also assuming that there aren't any catastrophic injuries, be, and because it's Maryland, I'm assuming something catastrophic is going to happen. And I'll say that the only, I think Maryland might have one opportunity this year um, to actually beat a ranked team, and the only way that'll happen is if Michigan uh, start, starts the year hot, um, you know, and Jim Harbaugh brings like a number 22 to number 25 kind of Michigan team yeah. uh, into Bird Stadium, if that's still what its name is at that point. <laughs> Under and, the lights. And, uh, the lights. yeah, I mean, you know, so that could be something that might give Maryland a chance. But, yeah, it's – I just think it's going to be a pretty tough year on the field. I don't know. And we're both seniors. That's going to be a great way to go out for football. But fear not, my friends. It's going to be a lot more fun to talk about basketball because where everything was down and dark and gloomy about football, it's all sunshine and happiness and rose petals fluttering everywhere about Maryland basketball. Let's talk about – well, one of the best off-seasons for Maryland basketball since 2002, maybe? Let's talk about Diamond Stone, Alex. How important is this for Maryland to get a player of Diamond Stone's caliber in a position that they desperately needed somebody of Diamond Stone's caliber in? I mean, it's huge. It's going to be um, a transformative thing for them. Maryland hasn't had uh, a big man at that level um, in years, I mean, I guess you could say Jordan Williams kind of became something similar to what Diamond Stone might be, even though they're not the same kind of players. Um, but he's been gone, um, and he's going to give Maryland 
uh, a more talented option at the five than probably about 350 of the 351 teams or whatever that number is uh, that they now classify uh, as in major college basketball. I mean, he's going to be, um, even if he's rough around the edges offensively, um, he's going to be a defensive menace, and I suspect he'll score and rebound pretty well from the outset. So he'll be, uh, he'll be an asset. That sounds nice because that rarely happened this year. But, Pete, follow up on that. How important of a player is Diamond Stone going to be next year? Yeah, there are only so many college teams that have a legitimate center. Um, and you see how much of an impact they can make. I mean, even on Purdue, a team like Purdue with Haas and Hammonds last year, they were able to win a lot of games later Despite in the season. Despite having because, like one above average perimeter player. In exactly, numbers. exactly, because yeah. they just had the size inside and, and skill too. I mean, that was the most impressive thing for me with Haas is he's a seven foot three guy who can move. Um, and Diamond Stone brings all that and more. I mean, he's just a tremendous prospect who, when you pair him up with Robert Carter Jr., you have two McDonald's All-Americans in the front court, and perhaps the best non-Kentucky front court in all of college basketball. I mean, it's just there's so much talent there. Two uh, first-year players, and combine that with the other group. I mean, it's just it's an incredible group of talent. And I'd add I'd add to that that you know, like you know, you mentioned that not a lot of teams have um, a big man of that caliber of that ilk, and I think it's absolutely right. Um, and it's also true that college basketball is a guards game at this point. I don't think there's any questioning that. Um, but if you look at the top five teams, uh, even top six, I'll be arbitrary about it. Top seven, I'll be even more arbitrary about it. Um, on Ken Pomeroy's rankings at the end of this season, Kentucky, Arizona, Wisconsin, the top three. Obviously, Kentucky's got a marvelous front court and will for every year that John Calipari is there. Arizona's got Brandon Nashley. Wisconsin's got Frank Kaminsky. Duke's got Okafor. Virginia's got Anthony Gill, Darian Atkins. Villanova has Daniel Ochefu, Javon Pinkston. You need, and, and Gonzaga, of course, has, um, uh, well, a number of guys, none of whom exactly meet the uh, seven-foot diamond stone profile, but a big team with a big front court. Um, and Karnowski there, who's a pretty good player underneath. So, you know, I mean, it's tough to be elite if you don't have a star uh, underneath the basket somewhere if you don't have even one. And Maryland definitely now has two. When you look at the two biggest issues for Maryland basketball this year, we talked about one of them, and that was just rebounding and having that interior presence, which they didn't have. And the other issue was, and we saw it against West Virginia, and I've tried to block that game out of my memory, but it's been increasingly difficult to, is they had no backup for Melo Trimble. And if he ever went down and God bless that he didn't for the entirety of the regular season, and it only happened in the tournament. They had nobody to back him up, and nobody could run the offense. And against West Virginia, they didn't. Need, saying that they looked like deer in the headlights was probably being kind. Now they have Jalen Brantley. Talk about Alex. Talk about what he can bring to the team, and more importantly for me, I think it's making sure Melo Trimble doesn't have to play every single minute of every single game this season. Um, I think he'll be helpful. I, I don't think that he's going to make... Um, a, an enormous difference next year because you know just because Melo Trimble doesn't need to play every minute, uh, you know he won't. But Melo Trimble is still probably going to play um, 32, 33 minutes a game, uh, and I don't see Brantley playing a whole lot at shooting guard because he's I think five foot eleven. Um, so yeah, I mean Brantley will give him uh, better ball handling and probably more of a classic point guard at the backup slot there than Rashad Pack did, but. Um, the reason that Maryland is going to be so much better, um, at least you know, in terms of all the underlying metrics that say this should be a good team, 
Um, I don't think it'll be because of Jalen Brantley. I think he'll be a nice piece, um, but I think Brantley will become more helpful um, when he's working with Anthony Cowan after Trimble leaves for the NBA after next season than he will be in the interim. Quick, before I get to the next question, Pete, is it a stone-cold lead pipe lock that Mel is gone for the NBA after next season? I assume it is. I mean, it, if you you don't want to get hurt, then you want to feel that way. I, I think that's the most likely option. I wouldn't call it stone-cold lock. Anything can happen, but I would be very surprised if this isn't the last year of Mel Trimble in Maryland. And that's sad because he's been the best player I've seen since I came here, even though I have, I will always be partial to Des Wells. And it can't be a discussion about Maryland basketball without talking about transfers, right? So we'll talk about this Drexel transfer. I think Damian Lee is his name, and he has given out his first last five schools, and one of them is Maryland. And let's talk, Alex, about what he can bring to this team if he decides to come to College Park. Uh, he can bring them all kinds of things. I mean, he'd be... Uh, instantly one of the better players on the roster. Uh, he was kind of a god for Drexel, um, and Drexel was pretty bad. I mean, Drexel, I think, went like 11-19 and 19 last year or something like that, um, even with Lee carrying the weight that he did. But this is a guy who played like 85% of his team's minutes last year. Um, he had, you know, he shot almost 40% from three, and he took a lot of threes. I think he was like you know, it was like 63 out of, I mean, yeah, 63 out of 162 three-pointers he made last year. Uh, almost a 90% foul shooter. He's pretty good around the rim. He doesn't turn the ball over. He can dish the ball a little bit. Um, good defensive rebounder. I mean, he's just a great player. Um, now, obviously, at Maryland, those numbers would nosedive because he'd go from being um, not only the primary but probably the only offensive option option um, that Drexel had to being more of a role player for Maryland. But he'd be great. Um and he'd give Maryland uh, ostensibly an elite college player at all five positions on the court, which is uh, decent if you're if you're into that. Pete, what specifically does he offer? If does Damian Lee offer if he comes to Maryland? Where would he play? What kind of things would he provide that Maryland either is going to lack now that say Des Wells is not going to be here anymore or? What is specifically is he going to bring to this team? I mean, I think the biggest thing he brings is what Alex said, uh, possibly the most fearsome starting five in all of college basketball. Um, he would play the two, I imagine, with maybe some of the three, depending on situations. And he'd just give Maryland another lights-out shooter from three. Um, it's that thought, which, you know, being named in that top five list makes it much more of a reality. It at least shows that there is mutual interest that everyone thought would make sense. Um, that thought is, is pretty tremendous. I mean, it, it, it takes a top five team. You know, I thought Maryland was a top five team without Jake Lehman, without Damian Lee in that worst case scenario with the two of them. I mean, the sky's the limit. So gut feeling, start with you, Pete. Does he come to Maryland? Yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say no. I think that the Arizona people are confident, uh, for a reason. And, uh, I think his NBA draft stock might be improved there. I'm not really sure. Uh, either way, Maryland has such a good team that he might see a better opportunity to carry a bigger scoring load at Arizona, which is weird to say. That is a completely ridiculous thing to say, usually, <laughs> but this is a completely ridiculous Maryland team. Alex, yes or no, Does according to your gut, do you think he is going to come to Maryland? Uh, no, I don't think so, just because there are four other teams. Um, so I, I think it always makes sense to take the field. Um, I think that he, you know, it, it seems like a fit. It could work. Uh, but like Pete said, professionally, um, Arizona's a team that lost T.J. McConnell, 
Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I mean, that backcourt is uh, yearning for Damian Lee. Uh, and it would be a pretty good chance for him to play in a great college basketball conference, uh, get a lot of points, get a lot of time uh, in front of NBA scouts with the ball in his hands. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, he might wind up at Maryland. I know that he's close with John Graham uh, and Melo Trimble, and he's from around here, certainly a lot closer than Arizona. But yeah, I think it's, it's more likely that he goes to um, one of the other four schools, probably if I had to take a guess, Arizona. And now for, for another, another question, question about expectations. Pete, we'll start with you. It's a top five team. You Where do you see this team falling? Is it Final Four, National Championship, or bust? Uh, I think this team can win the national championship next year. And because sports are supposed to be fun, I'm going to say they will. I think that definitely Final Four is like an expectation. Oh, no, I'm going with it. I'm going with it. I think I think Maryland's winning the national championship this year. I think they're definitely making the Final Four, but I believe. I believe. I'm not, but I can't say that right now because it's April and I don't want to get my hopes up because inevitably they'll be crushed. Alex, are you going to offer a sense of levity and cynicism and tamper down the expectations because it's April so I don't get too excited that I'll be spending my senior year celebrating a national championship? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I, I feel like everyone else who uh, who works for us always kind of fashions me as the Grinch. I don't, I don't mean to be. Um, it's not like that. <laughs> no, I mean, that'll be me. It's that, just, that'll it's be just me. that I'm it's, there's, there's a lot of teams that play college basketball. Um, so the same, the same way that I approach it with Damian Lee, which is that it typically makes sense to take the field. Um, Really hard not to take the field, um, and just because the NCAA tournament is a cruel, cruel enterprise um, where you can be the greatest team, uh, which Kentucky was, or the second best team in the country, which, depending on your uh, choice, you know Arizona, Wisconsin, um, Virginia, Villanova could have all claimed that mantle. These were all uh, the most elite of the elite teams this year, um, and it's pretty tough to be that one team out of you know, 350 or so that does it. That said, um, Maryland will have uh, as good a chance as anybody in the non-Kentucky department next year, um, and it should be a fun season. I don't, I don't, you know, it's hard to say that a team's going to win the national championship or even make the final four, so I won't, um, but nobody has a better shot uh, than Maryland does, and that, that should be fun. I, I think people should buy in. I'll clamp down on some of the scale here, but we'll start with Pete. The big, I've seen a number of people write, the Big Ten goes through College Park. I'm assuming that's a much more easier thing to buy into. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's a team looking at, on paper, the Big Ten basketball teams right now. I don't think there's a team that comes close to Maryland's talent level and experience. Alex, you agree? Well, I, I agree that it does go through Maryland. Um, but I think Michigan State getting the, yeah. uh, the Caleb, I think it's Caleb Swanigan is his name, um, a f- another five-star who's pretty similar to Diamond Stone in terms of pedigree. Uh, bringing him in the other day. Uh, and Indiana and picking up. A, Indiana got Thomas game. Bryant, exactly. But I, I think Indiana, actually, Indiana is a great point. I mean, Indiana could score. They could shoot the lights out last season. Didn't play a lot of defense because the biggest player on their roster was 6'6", Troy Williams. Um, that team next year, and I know Yogi Ferrell was like announcing tonight that he may or may not be gone for the NBA. But even if he, let's say he doesn't, um, put Farrell and, and James Blackman and Robert Johnson, three-guard backcourt there, Troy Williams at the four and Brian at the five. That's a great team. Um, and Michigan State, in addition to this new kid, uh, they've got another five-star recruit. 
Tom Tom's back. Denzel Valentine will be a senior and it'll be a very good one. Um, Marvin Clark, Matt Costello, Gavin Schilling, um, they'll all be back. Brent Forbes will be back. So Michigan State's really good. Javon Best will be back. Um, they're really, really good. I think that um, Michigan State and Indiana could give Maryland uh, a lot of pressure at the top of the league. And oddly enough, both of those teams, Maryland only plays on the road next year. I don't see that as a coincidence at all. And I have to ask this and put on my tinfoil hat. I'll try to do this as little as possible, but I have to put on my tinfoil hat, at least in this instance. ACC Big Ten Challenge, do you think Duke is going to be Maryland's opponent? Somebody answer quickly. I do, absolutely. I think that Maryland has a good chance of playing Duke and Georgetown next year. Oh, my God. Both of them in one year? It's possible. Maryland has such a good team next year that they're going to get the premier matchup in both. Alex? No, I think so. The only thing is, is there... The only other thing that I could think would be a possibility would be if, uh, if ESPN wanted a national title rematch but i think right. there might be a clause that you can't play two years in a row in the big 10 acc challenge i don't know that it just i suspect there might be um but yeah i mean if, if it's not duke wisconsin it'll probably be um maryland against duke and if it is then why not maryland uva uh which would be an equally outstanding early season game but that already happened too but i well, have to well eat. right which is why though if if yeah. the duke thing was allowed if duke could play wisconsin again um, then Maryland could find itself in Charlottesville, right. I thought. And I'll have to clamp down on the excitement even further, put a number on it. What's the chance that this game, this hypothetical Duke-Maryland game happens in College Park? I put it at 0.1%. Because, Zero, absolutely. Yes, I, I think there's absolutely no chance. Pete, what do you think? No chance? No chance. Mike Krzyzewski is not bringing his team to College Park, Maryland ever again. Oh, that makes me very sad. That would have unless, been unless they to... unless they host an NCAA tournament or something like that. That's only yeah. happening in women's basketball, which is <laughs> yeah. here. And they made the final four, so that was really nice. No, so I that think is... I think I think Coach K would literally never, ever, ever again for any circumstance come to Maryland. But who knows? He would be coer- he could be coerced to do it by ESPN. Yeah. Could be. I probably wouldn't be. Yeah, ESPN has coerced a lot of people at colleges to make decisions that I don't think that they would do over if they could. But anyway, that is the end of this inaugural new Testudo Times podcast. I hope I didn't sound too nervous and I didn't sound too much like a bumbling idiot. Although that probably, oh well, if it happens, that's why there's many more podcasts after this. I'm Matt. Pete, thanks for taking your time. Of course. Uh, and Alex, I, oddly enough, I'll be seeing you tomorrow morning. Yes, we will. See you this is the this is the weirdest this is the weirdest thing. I'm now hosting a podcast with somebody I've covered games with and I have class. <laughs> I think that's the cool part about Testudo Time. So hopefully we will let's have you guys listening at the next episode where we will definitely open up the floor to questions. I don't think this show is going to be nearly as fun without input from the great Testudo Times community, which I know there is. So we will see you guys next time. And until then, have a good week and keep opti- keep the faith about Maryland. You never know what could happen. <laughs>